I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oklahoma fans, a scare. The Big 12 all-conference team preseason is out, and it's Sam Ellinger at the quarterback spot and not Jalen Hurts. Plus, um, hey, the predictions are out as well, and Oklahoma predicted to win yet another Big 12 championship. And how important are Oklahoma's running backs? By the way, Russell Westbrook, no longer a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, will tell you uh, where he's going. You probably already know. And uh, a little bit of thoughts on that. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. I'm Matt Hofeld flying solo this week, but that's okay. Let's jump into this and let's talk a little bit. Um, we're we're going to start with um, start with the Big 12 preseason team. Uh, Oklahoma leads the way with six selections on the team. Uh, that's a conference best, uh, again, from the best team in the Big 12. But here's where things are kind of making some noise. Um, offensive player of the year, Sam Ellinger, the quarterback picked for the team. Sam Ellinger, Jalen Hurts did get the nod for the newcomer of the year. Kenneth Murray uh, gets the nod for defensive player of the year. Um, and then you also have joining uh, joining that, that group, you've got CeeDee Lamb, at the wide receiver position, Kennedy Brooks at the running back position. Creed Humphrey makes it. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Creed Humphrey makes it uh, at the uh, center position, and then City Lamb also listed as the kick returner, punt returner for the All All Big 12 football te- team preseason. But where a lot of people are drawing the line in the sand and just kind of saying, "Okay, here's the deal, man. This just doesn't make sense," and that is the quarterback position where Sam Ellinger gets not only the nod for the offensive player of the year, but he also gets the nod for the um, for that preseason All-Big 12 team. And I totally get that. Um, because I totally get that, it's, don't, don't confuse that with me agreeing with it. It's just, I understand. I understand how this happens. And, and if, if you're, if you're in Norman or around the Norman area, a fan of the team, you're like, how in the world can this happen? If you're in Austin, Texas, you're kind of like, well, how can it be anybody else? Because Sam Ellinger is the best quarterback in the big 12 and people in Austin are also going to tout Sam Ellinger for a Heisman trophy and so forth. But here's what this comes down to. And this is just what it is, okay? Oklahoma fans are going to have to understand this. It's only July. We're recording this right now, July 11th. We're not even midway through the month of July. We still have all of August before we see Oklahoma kick off the season on September 1st. But understand that this team was put together by the media who covers the Big 12 Conference. 
Okay, follow the line of thinking here. This team was put together by the media who covers the Big 12 Conference, meaning they have had FaceTime with Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger, through two years as a quarterback at the University of Texas, he has made his rounds around the Big 12. Sam Ellinger has been to Ames, Iowa. Sam Ellinger has been to Morgantown, West Virginia. Sam Ellinger has been to Manhattan, Kansas. So the media who covers the Big 12, they know Sam Ellinger. They've seen him as a freshman. They saw him win the Sugar Bowl as a sophomore. They know this kid, and they look at the quarterback vacancy in the Big 12 with so many guys gone that they're used to covering. They don't know Jalen Hurts. Now, they know who Jalen Hurts is. Everybody knows who Jalen Hurts is, but understand this, that the only media, uh, the only uh, beat writers who have ever had any interaction with Jalen Hurts is going to be the guys in Norman, Oklahoma. And that was last year as Oklahoma got ready to play uh, in the Orange Bowl against Alabama. And even at that, they were covering a guy who was a backup quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. West Virginia played Alabama several years ago. But again, that was several years ago. Sam Ellinger is the hot, fresh face of the Big 12 for right now. And so when you say, how in the world does Sam Ellinger beat a guy like Jalen Hurts, who has been to the college football playoff his entire career, a guy who has been a conference champion, those are things that Sam Ellinger has never done. And if you want my opinion, I believe there are things that Sam Ellinger never will do with this current Texas roster that they have. But when you got a guy who is more polished than Sam Ellinger, and you got a guy who was more um, credentialed, so to speak, than Sam Ellinger. I mean, if you compare these two resumes, Sam Ellinger's resume, the pinnacle is going to say Sugar Bowl champions. Jalen Hurts, the pinnacle is going to say national champion. It's going to say conference champion. It's going to say freshman of the year. It's going to have all these things, all these accolades that Ellinger's not going to have. So clearly when you compare the resumes of the two quarterbacks, and if you were to ask just about anybody outside of Austin, Texas, hey, you need one player to make a play on your team. You want Sam Ellinger or do you want Jalen Hurts? The majority of people I honestly believe are going to say that they want Jalen Hurts. But when it comes down to who have you covered, who do you know, who deserves that nod for the preseason mark, and this media is going to go with Sam Ellinger. I mean, he's the familiar face. He's what they know, who they know. But that's okay, because if you've listened to the Sooner Nation podcast, you know my, uh, you know my opinion on this first game against Houston. I, I really believe this first game against Houston is going to be a high-scoring game on both sides. And because I believe it's going to be a high-scoring game on both sides, I believe it sets up very well for Jalen Hurts to become a national conversation. I mean, people are already talking about Jalen Hurts and uh, transferring to the Big 12. Uh, you, you've, you've got guys like Paul Feinbaum talking about how much he hopes Jalen Hurts succeeds. Paul Feinbaum even go as far, going as far to say if, uh, if Jalen Hurts were to win, if he was to be equal with two stats and all that stuff, that he would give his vote to Jalen. I mean, that's, 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 that's the calm before the storm, if you will. But the storm's brewing. And Jalen Hurts puts up a 500-plus yard night in the opener national television Sunday night, September 1st, against the Houston team 
that's going to be pretty salty and have their fair share of offensive talent as well. Two great offenses, two terrible defenses, builds up for a massive game. Jalen Hurts wins that game with 500-plus yards of offense, which I think is a very real possibility. That conversation shifts really quick from Sam Ellinger to Jalen Hurts. Next week you got uh, you got the you know the, the the buy-in game where you buy a win for Oklahoma and then they're off to the West Coast to play UCLA in a game that could mimic what's going to happen with Houston. I don't believe the UCLA will be as good offensively as the Houston Cougars will, but I believe that they will be every bit as bad defensively as Houston's going to be. Meaning Jalen Hurts has opportunity twice in three weeks to have big-time games. Oh, yeah, and then you open up conference play against Kansas. So th- this, this narrative can shift really fast. But right now, it's, I mean, I get it. Again, I don't agree with it. I, obviously, as a, as a guy who covers sports and as a guy who's an Oklahoma fan, give me Jalen Hurts every time. Ten out of ten times, give me Jalen Hurts. But in this one moment, I can understand why someone would give Sam Ellinger the nod. I get it. Don't agree with it, but I get it. We got to talk about Kennedy Brooks, the scare that he gave us, and the value of Oklahoma's running backs. You listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Jalen Jalen Hurts talk is over with. We're going to put that to bed. We're going to talk about Kennedy Brooks. Um... Kenny Brooks gives Oklahoma fans a massive scare this week when it was broken by uh, Brandon Drum. Broken by Brandon Drum? Let's say Brandon Drum broke the story that Kenny Brooks has not been with the team since they came back for workouts in June. Turns out uh, that Brooks was under uh, Title IX investigation for, um, for, you know, I don't even want to get into it because uh, Title IX means that there's something a female makes allegations um, you know, that's such a political hot spot that I don't want to get into it other than to say, because obviously I have reserved thoughts there, but other than to say that the investigation cleared Kennedy Brooks of any wrongdoing. There's no legal action. No police reports have been filed against Kennedy Brooks. So this thing has been put to bed with him uh, coming out in the clear and rejoining the team. But the thought process of this, meaning uh, what what it really kind of had Oklahoma fans going, well, what's next? I mean, what would... Uh, what would this team look like without Kennedy Brooks? And, you know, the reality is there's this is a talented team, and, and it should cause us to take a step back and look at this running back crew that Oklahoma has. Um, and and you, you think about all the preseason talk that we've done, I think, um, in regards to the University of Oklahoma, has been centered around Jalen Hurts, has been centered around this uh, – incredibly deep and incredibly talented receiving core. And we've talked a lot about the need to rebuild the offensive line and the guys that are coming in that are going to help do that and anchor that with Creed Humphrey. But maybe we've, maybe we have overlooked 
Oklahoma's running back core just a little bit. And I think you start with Kennedy Brooks. I mean, now that you know he's in the clear, you're talking about a kid who's he's explosive. He is the you know the stereotypical to use the cliche home run threat at the running back position. 8.9 yards per carry last year, his first full year carrying the rock for the University of Oklahoma. If if you were to mirror, I believe. Um, if you were to mirror what Kennedy Brooks did in 2018 with what Rodney Anderson did in 2017, you're going to see something very, very similar. I mean, Rodney Anderson was not the go-to back at the beginning of 2017, nor was Kennedy Brooks the go-to back at the beginning of 2018. But losing Rodney Anderson in the UCLA game ended up moving, elevating Kennedy Brooks uh, into that, that two-headed monster running back position that Lincoln Riley has continued at the University of Oklahoma, you know, along with Trey Sermon. And what does Kennedy, Kennedy Brooks do? I mean, we talked about the 8.9 yards per carry, 1,056 yards rushing. Um, he, he's, he gives this, this team experienced depth at the running back position. There's one thing to have depth. You, you want to have depth. You want to have quality depth if you're if you're lining up offenses in the Big 12 but to have experienced depth especially the quality of what Oklahoma has in Kennedy Brooks and in Trey Sermon man that's just that's icing on the cake because these are guys uh, we, we know how talented they are when it comes to running the ball hitting the gap we know particularly again with Trey Sermon how talented they are catching the ball out of the backfield <clears throat> we know how fast they are and how capable they are of that breakaway speed type threat, right? But when it comes to shifting over and picking up, you know, pass pass protection, um, when it came when it comes out, you know, to uh, you know th- those type of assignments that that don't really deal with the player having the ball in their hand, but but re- recognizing a blitz uh, up the middle or to the side, you know, those type of things, that's where the experience really comes into play. And with Trey Sermon, you've got a three-year starter with Kennedy Brooks. You've got a second-year starter. Both guys, you know, Trey Sermon, uh, nearly 1,000 yards himself last season. Both guys give Oklahoma what I believe to be one of the most talented backfields in the Big 12. But then you got to put the Lincoln-Riley factor in there. You know, the Lincoln-Riley factor basically is this guy is a genius at, at putting his talent in the best position to succeed. And that's exactly what he's done since since he came to the University of Oklahoma. As an offensive coordinator, they were successful. As a head coach, they've been uber successful. Think back to, to when Bob Stoops suddenly retired, Lincoln Riley suddenly takes over. And if you were to be able to say, hey, what this guy's going to do in his first two years as a head coach is produce back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners and get Oklahoma in back-to-back playoffs, and he's going to continue to dominate the Big 12 in the same fashion that Bob Stoops did. I mean, Oklahoma fans would take that in a heartbeat, but no one expected it. But what Lincoln Riley's niche is 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 beyond X's and O's. Well, I'll talk about that here in just a second, but let's talk about the way he's relating to players. Let's talk about the way he continually builds and, and gains momentum on the recruiting trail. He is a magnet. People are coming to Lincoln Riley. It's be, this, the University of Oklahoma has grown under Lincoln Riley to a place where players are recruiting Oklahoma's coaches. They're, they're like, hey, we want to come play for you. Look at my film. Coaches are calling and say, hey, come look at this kid that I've got on my, on my roster. He's a junior. He's a sophomore. You need to know about this kid. 
that's what's happening at the University of Oklahoma as they are picking up even more and more and more and more steam on the recruiting trail. And then you add Alex Grinch to that, the hire that Lincoln Riley made for the new defensive coordinator. And now that he's kind of got his roots in and his foundation built, you're seeing you're seeing the same type of of chemistry and you're seeing this this development on the defensive recruiting where it's starting to pick up steam. And I believe that a little bit of you know success always breeds success. And I believe what you're going to see out of this defense is you're going to see them get a little bit better in 2019, which is what that's going to do is that's going to propel this, the, the sales pitch that Alex Grinch is making for 2020 to say, hey, we, we need guys here and guys are going to jump on board. They're already jumping on board, but they'll continue to do that. So that's what Lincoln Riley does. But more specifically about X's and O's, let, let's step back and talk about a year ago, okay? A year ago, here was the knock against Oklahoma. They lost Baker Mayfield. There's no way this offense can be any better without Baker Mayfield. Like I even said, I, I remember saying through the podcast and saying uh, at Heartland Sports uh, in print that um, – I guess it's not print when it's on the internet, but you know what I'm saying, right? Writing out our, our post. I remember saying that I don't believe that Oklahoma will score as many points as they did under Baker Mayfield, but I believe that they will be more efficient, meaning they'll score more frequently with Kyler Murray than they did with Baker Mayfield. And the reality is I was wrong on both accounts. I mean, they, they continue to be just as every bit as explosive and more so than they were under Baker Mayfield. And what did Kyler Murray do? He came in and broke all of Baker Mayfield's records. Why is that? Well, it's that is the story because of the talent of Oklahoma. That's the story because the talent of the roster. That's the story because of the talent of Kyler Murray. Back-to-back number one draft picks in the NFL. Back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. No one saw this coming. But that's what Lincoln Riley does. No one's better, in my opinion, right now in the world of college football. No one is better at taking one guy and his skill set and maximizing that than what Lincoln Riley's doing. And you think back about this team last year, 2018, Kyler Murray was the show, right? I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me how I'm wrong. Kyler Murray was the show. But this team still had a guy like Marquise Brown. Ended up being a first-round draft pick. Thousand-yard receiver. They had C.D. Lamb, who's going to be a Blitnikoff um, preseason award guy. They're, they're going to have him on the watch list. And then you had Kennedy Brooks, 1,000-yard rusher. You had Trey Sermon, who was close to being a 1,000-yard rusher. There was so much talent around Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was the show, but because he was the show, you kind of missed some of the talent that was there. And also what you miss is the depth, the depth of this running back group. T.J. Pledger. I believe is as is, is, is talented as they come. Six yards per carry in the games that he got to play in last year. Suffered from a hip injury, but he was a true freshman. He gets that four-game leeway before he starts uh, burning the red shirt. So he didn't come, he didn't he didn't break that. So he'll be a red shirt freshman in 2019. Six yards per carry speaks for itself. Marcus Major, a four-star recruit that everybody wanted. Everybody wanted Marcus Major on their team, right? Everybody did. 
I mean, Texas wanted him. He, he was highly recruited. He comes to the University of Oklahoma. He's going to, in my opinion, Marcus Major is going to be the TJ Pledger of last year, hopefully without the injury. But he's too talented not to put on the field. So he'll get his four games, and then they'll redshirt him, and then he'll be back in 2020 to take a bigger role because I believe this is the last year of Trey Sermon. I believe that this could be the last year for Kennedy Brooks. Kenny Brooks, don't forget, he's a redshirt sophomore, meaning he's three years on campus. He can come out. He can declare for the draft. So this could be the last year when you're talking about these running backs, and that propels a guy like Marcus Major into a bigger role in 2020, but he's definitely going to get some time in 2019 to see what he's capable of, to see what he can do. There is all kinds of depth at the running back position for the University of Oklahoma, and Lincoln Riley and staff have a very good problem on how to find enough things for these guys to do. Which, by the way, there's one name that we haven't mentioned, and you may not even be aware of it, but if not, you absolutely need to be. I'll talk about that right after this break. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. You can find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. Cybersecurity declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Okay, welcome back. If you are not familiar with the name Ramondre Stevens, you need to be. Ramondre Stevens, R-H-A-M-O-N-D-R-E, Stevenson. This kid, he's going to be a game changer. They took, a, took an abnormal route uh, for to come to the University of Oklahoma. Went JUCO first out of Las Vegas. Um, went JUCO first. All he did in JUCO was uh, last season was average 7.4 yards per carry. The kid is six foot, 235 pounds. And so when you think of someone who's six foot, 235 pounds, the first thing, I mean, for me, I think about running backs along the lines of Samaj P. Ryan. Just that beast of a man, you know what I'm talking about? Just, just, just the guy who's, who's deceptive with his speed, but is just powerful. And that's what Samaje was. He was powerful. I mean, he he was he was deceptively fast, but he would just assume run through you, then run outrun you. And he was hard to take down. And he, and as the game went on, he wore on you. It, it, you got tired. You got hurt trying to tackle Samaje Pirine. And so when you think of a guy like Ramonje Stevenson, who's six foot, two hundred and thirty-five pounds then a guy like Samaj P. Ryan naturally comes to mind. But the reality is, 
imagine, imagine this. This is this is no joke. Okay, this is. I know sometimes as as fans, what we what we are guilty of doing is taking a guy and making him better by you know just using our adjectives, using our words, and saying, well, this guy is you know this and this and this and this. When really he's not. But I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to say something here. That's going to sound like an exaggeration. But I promise you it's not. And, and there's, there's film out there to back it up, okay? Ramon J. Stevenson. Imagine a guy with Samaj P. Ryan's power. A big bruising back. You got the thick legs, the good center of gravity, can power through the gap, can knock over a linebacker, Stiff arm a, a, a defensive back, drag him with him if he needs to. Imagine a guy like that, Samaj P. Ryan. But imagine Samaj P. Ryan with Joe Mixon's athleticism. Did you catch that? Imagine Samaj P. Ryan with the athleticism of a guy like Joe Mixon. Now, Samaj did a good job catching the ball out of the backfield, but Joe Mixon was the guy that was just dangerous out of the backfield. He could hit the seam like, like, you know, some of the best receivers in the country. And if he hit the seam and you, you got him in stride with the ball, it was game over. Ask Oklahoma State about that. Ramondre Stevenson is that type of guy in Joe Mixon, in, in, in Samaj P. Ryan's body. Oh, this can't be. There's just no way. That just doesn't make sense to me. Go, go to Twitter. I already told you how to spell his name. Enter his name into Twitter and look at the highlights. Look at his. Here's what you got to look at with this kid. Look at his high school tape. It's there on Twitter. You can find it. You could you could enter it in on on YouTube and find it. You probably go to Google and find it. Look at his high school film, and then look at his junior college film. And what you're gonna find is that the things that this kid was able to do in high school, he also did on the junior college level. Okay, well, Matt, you need to pump the brakes here because the junior college level and the, the Division I level, FBS level, the team that goes to the playoffs consistently, a team that wins the Big 12 consistently, that's not junior college. No, you're right. I, I get it. You're right. <laughs> you're right. But typically when a guy can go from the high school level to the junior college ranks with not, without changing anything in the, the way he looks on film, if he looks just the same in high school as he looks in junior college, he's going to look pretty dang good wherever you put him. And now he comes into the University of Oklahoma three years of eligibility, and you got to find a place for him. I think the answer to me, to me, I mean, you're not going to, again, I talked about Kennedy Brooks. I talked about Trey Sermon. I talked about TJ Pledger. I think that's going to be where you start your three-headed monster at the, at the running back position. But who's going to replace Carson Meyer? Who's going to be that H-back guy? Remember Carson Meyer, the guy who would every now and then get a dive play called, but constantly was, it was getting open downfield. The guy that everyone forgot about out of the backfield because they had to focus on, on Kennedy Brooks because they had to focus on Trey Sermon. Oh, wait, there's, there's, there's Carson Meyer down the seam. How about a six foot, 235-pound guy 
who runs like Samaj P. Ryan, but has the athleticism of Joe Mixon. It just makes sense to put him at the H-back position. Whether they do that or not, it's probably going to be uh, based on how well he picks up on the schemes for blocking. Honestly, how well can he block as a fullback? I think you look at his film, and it's easy to see how he can uh, how he can catch the ball. It's easy to see what he can do running the ball. But if he can if he cannot be a liability when it comes to blocking, man, Oklahoma has something incredibly incredibly special in this kid. And you're definitely going to want to know his name. You're definitely going to want to learn it. You're definitely going to want to look it up on Twitter. Go look at the film. Come back and tell me I'm wrong. At Sports Heartland on Twitter is where you can find me. There, there's going to be a comment section on the podcast on, on, on Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. There, there, there'll be a, a, a post, a, a page dedicated specifically to this episode of the podcast. Go look it up and then come back and tell me if I'm wrong. But the kid looks exactly the same as the junior college level as he looked on the high school level. That typically means he's going to be successful on any level. Man, September 1st cannot get here quick enough. You know what I'm saying? It can't get here quick enough. All right, we're going to close out talking some Thunder news. Uh, you've already heard it by the time this podcast hits the uh, hits iTunes. But uh, we're going to close out talking about that. You're listening to Center Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. All right, so let's close this out by talking a little bit about Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. Undoubtedly, you have heard the news. Um, if this podcast is the first time you're hearing it, then uh, you may you gotta you gotta up your game because it's um, it's out there. Um, Oklahoma City has traded away Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets. In return, the Thunder get Chris Paul, first round draft picks in 2024 and 2026, and the Thunder and the Rockets will swap picks in 2021 and 2025. So this officially brings to an end the Russell Westbrook era in Oklahoma City, which basically has been the entire time the franchise has been in Oklahoma City. And not only is it going to be a test on the fan base, it's going to be a test on Sam Presti and what he is going to do to rebuild this team. I think Sam Presti has shown, and Oklahoma fans, Oklahoma City fans need to be patient with him, he's shown that he knows what he's doing, that he has the ability to build a team. It's just that Oklahoma City hasn't shown that they have the ability to win with said team. And it's interesting that he goes to the Rockets, and it's interesting that Chris Paul uh, comes to Oklahoma City. For the most part, I, I hear a mixed bag on Chris Paul. A lot of Oklahoma fans are nostalgic about Chris Paul when he was in Oklahoma City with the Hornets, the New Orleans Hornets at the time, because he kind of helped bring NBA to Oklahoma City. But then again, I also hear a lot of people who can't stand Chris Paul because he's kind of a, a, a savvy type player who, who he doesn't do the full on flop like James Harden does, but he does, you know, he, he does things. He'll, he'll be running full speed and then just stop on a dime and get ran over by the guy behind him. He, he does things to, to draw fouls to get himself to the line. But the other thing about Chris Paul is he's oft injured. I should know I'm a Clippers fan. I mean, I know what it's like to cheer for Chris Paul. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the Oklahoma City fan base, fan base makes that transition from Russell Westbrook to Chris Paul and just to see what develops from that. But I also think that, you know, for me, being a guy who's not necessarily a, an Oklahoma City fan, not talking about the city itself. I love the city. That's home for me. But I'm talking about the team, not necessarily being a, a team, a, a fan of the team. I think it's important to note here that there's two perceptions of Russell Westbrook. 
there's the perception that the fan base in Oklahoma City has for him. And then I think there's the perception that the rest of the world has for him. It is interesting that he ends up back in Houston, ends up with James Harden. I'm curious to see how that match is going to uh, work out because Houston clearly is James Harden's team. It's never going to be Russell Westbrook's team. Russell Westbrook's not used to it being someone else's team. Even when it was James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook viewed that as his team. James Harden, if you'll remember, came off the bench for that team. He wasn't even a starter. Doesn't mean he wasn't talented. He just was the sixth man. Kevin Durant leaves, and clearly it becomes Russell Westbrook's team. Add Carmelo Anthony, it's Russell Westbrook's team. Add Paul George, it's Russell Westbrook's team. Russell Westbrook has always been alpha male. Now you're going to take him out of that setting, and you're going to put him into the setting in Houston, which is a setting that Russell Westbrook's not used to. It's very interesting, very curious to see what what develops from that. Chris Paul and James Harden... And it's really not a surprise, but Chris Paul and James Harden, that didn't work out. And I think it's a bit of, it's, it's more than a gamble for Houston to bring in Russell Westbrook. Oh, Matt, you're just hating on Russell Westbrook. No, I'm, I'm just being honest. There's a different perception out there. Do you know that the odds, Oklahoma's odds before trading Russell Westbrook, their, their, their win total, projected win total, this is according to CBS Sports, their projected win total before trading Russell Westbrook, 41.4 wins. It's a 38.8% chance to make the playoffs, according to CBS Sports. That's before trading Russell Westbrook. Since trading Russell Westbrook, since offering him to Houston, the win total jumps up to 46.1, and the percentage chance of making the playoffs jump up to 75.9. These are the guys that get paid big bucks to set these type of lines or to figure these type of odds out. CBS Sports tweeted that out. It's according to Sportsline. Again, that's that's their job. If they mess that up, they, they're, they're living in the streets. There's just something about, there's a stigma about Russell Westbrook that he's hard to play with. And now he goes from being alpha male to being second fiddle in Houston. That's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Almost as interesting as watching Oklahoma City rebuild their program, their franchise, and how quickly can Sam Presti turn that back into a winner, the winner that Oklahoma City fans are used to, and really the winning team that Oklahoma City fans have grown to expect. That's it for me. That's it for this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can find us online at heartland-sports.com. Always uh, feel free to email us, heartland underscore sports. Thanks so much for your time. Have a great weekend, and uh, it'll be next week, Thursday. I know we moved from Tuesday to Thursday. Caught you off guard a little bit, but uh, it'll be me flying solo again. Probably shouldn't have told you that, but uh, have a fantastic weekend and a good first half of your week next week. Boomer Sooner, everybody. <laughs>